Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to quite literally the world cricket show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And in an effort to revive this podcast's flagging fortunes, I've decided it's time for a reshuffle. As a result, Tony Kerr has been promoted to the role of co-host. <laughs> promoted from co-host to co-host. Promoted from sidekick to co-host. Well, wow. Did you like that, Tony? A topical joke to kick things topical. off. Topical. That's always been what we've been about, hasn't it? Well, as long as we can make one topical joke a week, then I think that's pretty much uh, we've justified our budget to the people upstairs. Right from the get-go, that was our brief. You know, it's occasional cricket discussions set amongst razor-sharp political satire. And I feel that that's what we're doing. People listening are thinking, wow, these guys have really got their finger on the pulse. They know that there's been a reshuffle in the coalition government. You know, what more can you ask for from a cricket podcast, I suppose? Well, I'm not going to make any, like, the obvious anti-coalition jokes, though. That's not, that's not what I'm here to do, Adam. Oh, I've actually got a, uh, <laughs> I've got a ring binder yeah. full of them. How's it going this week, Tane? Pretty well. You're turning your life around this week, aren't you? By uh, <laughs> By trying to be as active as possible. Yeah. You walked to the studio tonight. <laughs> I did, from yeah. I did. I, I had to meet you here. Which meant I had to drop loads of stuff off at yours first. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be able to carry it. Heaven forbid you should have to carry your iPad on a 45-minute walk. Yeah, but no one wants to carry an iPad, do they? We arranged to meet at 7 o'clock and then you texted me at about 3 minutes to 7 and said that you were at least half an hour away <laughs> the studio, I which was leave. lucky because I was nowhere near ready to leave. So I had visions of you having to wait for me for 20, 25 minutes. But no, then, I obviously left late. But then just before uh, I did leave to come, I spoke to my sister and she said that she'd seen you walking along the, uh, the seafront on the way to the studio. She was like, is Tony all right? Because he looks really angry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you were thinking I about. Wasn't angry or you were just angry about the fact that you had to, you had to walk. Which was lovely. It was, it was absolutely gorgeous. What a walk it was. Uh, I've rediscovered walking. You're wanting to go for long swims. You're wanting to cycle, are you? I've, I've let myself go, though, Adam. <laughs> is <laughs> Again. This- is this be- re-let myself go. Is this because I made fun of you about breaking those bodyboards on last week's show? Is that what this is about? Well, I didn't want to say anything, but... It's not that your family have done an intervention with you? No, it's been no intervention. I just, I just basically... Yeah, I just fancy... Well, there's another reason as well. Because walking is a great way to listen to music, isn't it? <laughs> walking is a great way to get around. <laughs> it's a great, it is a great way to get being. around. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I used to walk all, you know, walk everywhere, uh, and uh, you know, I could really give a lot of time to, to listening to music, and I could listen to albums in full. It was great. Uh, but then I passed my driving test, and now I, I, I don't know. I just don't seem to have time to listen to anything. So, that's, that's... <laughs> well, you can listen to music in the car. There, there is this thing well, called a CD player. There is, but I only like listening to a certain kind of music in the car. Otherwise, it depresses me. And like, you need like a certain. I need to match the tempo with my driving. You know, you're much too specific about that kind of thing. But also, you. Say that as though 
before you passed your driving test, you used to walk everywhere. I right? did. What actually used to happen was <laughs> you'd call me and I'd have to pick you up. Well, all the time. if we we're going the to number l- of lifts I gave you, you, you must owe me over a thousand lifts. Probably. Well, I mean, when we were going to kind of longer, kind of longer distances away. But if it was under half an hour, I'd walk. I really don't believe that. And I don't want the listeners <laughs> the to The number of times I, I've walked to your house, probably, I've lost track of. Probably two or three times that you walked places. Used to walk everywhere. Remembering used to that. walk everywhere. Do you, remember, do you remember when you were a kid and you just used to run everywhere? Just everywhere you went, you used to run. Still do. Not as much as I was when I was a kid, but I can't walk upstairs, for example. I have to run upstairs. That's slightly different, but it used to just be like, you're in the living room, you've got to go to the kitchen to get a glass of water or something. You'd run there. When does that stop happening? At what age does that stop happening? Yeah, I tend to walk now, but I do run occasionally if I, if I need to get somewhere quickly. You know, if there's a pan, a burning pot of oil that I need to take off the heat, <laughs> I'll run. So you're turning your okay. life around this week. Uh, we've got uh, the annual charity swim that we do is on, is on Sunday. Called the Castle Swim here in Guernsey. It's just a charity event. It's a swim like, across a bay. What's it about? It's not that Three far. quarters of a mile. Yeah. Like that. It's not that far, but it's just a charity event that a few hundred people do. So we're going down to do that. Uh, but you didn't do it last year because you were too hungover. And you didn't do it the year before that either because you were too hungover. I'm just wondering whether you're actually going to do it this year or whether you'll be too hungover. Well, I did it the year before and I beat you, didn't I? What, three years ago? Yeah. Yes. But then the year before that, I won because you stopped to look at a boat. Was your... Well, I didn't realize we were racing and then suddenly you, <laughs> you, your you took your opportunity to... To fly past. You've already backed out of the idea of a race, though, this year. You've already set your stall out that you're not going to be racing. I think you've just seen my form in the water this year, and you're, you're, a, bit, <laughs> you're a bit concerned. I'm pretty much ready to go. So I've been down there doing my triathlon domestique training uh, night after night. I'm not uh, going to be racing. Put it I mean, to good use on Sunday. Let's be honest, I am going to be hungover, uh, very hungover. And then I've also got... Uh, There's nothing you can do about that. It's like the weather. You can't control these things. Well, I have a birthday party the night before, so... It's, uh, it's game over. But uh, I've also got uh, some touch rugby and football to play on Sunday afternoon. So busy day. <laughs> busy day. Don't want to burn myself out in the first hour of the day. You really are. You're a regular Alistair Brownlee, do you? I'm yeah. just trying to do everything. I'm literally... <laughs> Sports. I bet you by next week's show, you won't walk to next week's show. That's my bet. <laughs> That's my bet. How's about I tell you uh, about all of the wonderful things that are coming up on the show today... England's one-day series is finished, uh, so we'll be dissecting the corpse of that one and looking ahead to the 2020 series as well. Uh, And then we'll be heading over to India where the test series between the home team and New Zealand reached a dramatic conclusion in Bangalore this week. And there should be time for a couple of side notes as well. Uh, So yeah, loads to talk about, so let's crack on then, shall we? England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Now, the one-day series between England and South Africa staggered to an end on Wednesday at Trent Bridge. It was the end of a a seesaw series. South Africa won that game to level things up at 2-all. They won the first completed game as well, but they lost the two in the middle. I will now uh, recap... The scorecards, you might have to bear with me on this one. Oh, I'm just going to so catch up on Twitter while you're, you're doing that. You're probably just going to be betting on Janko Tipsarevic over there, are you? He's lost the first set, um, which is annoying. <laughs> it's good to know that you've got your full concentration on this, Tone. Uh, so the first game was washed out. The second uh, was played at the Rose Bowl. Uh, and South Africa batted first and made 287 for five, thanks almost exclusively to Hashi Mamla, who continued his good form uh, from the Test Series with 150 from 124 balls. And England never looked like they were going to threaten to overhaul that total. They ended up all out for 207, which was actually uh, quite a bit better than it looked like 
uh, they might get at 159 for eight. So that was actually quite a good last wicket partnership. Steve Finn striking three fours. So a massive win for South Africa in that first game, but England bounced back very impressively at the Oval, winning by four wickets. Uh, dismissed South Africa for 211, with Jimmy Anderson taking four for 44 and Jade Dernbach three for 44. And England got to the target with four wickets and two overs to spare. 71 from Jonathan Trott and 73 from just 67 balls from Owen Morgan, the main architects of that victory. Uh, the fourth game uh, followed quite a similar pattern. South Africa, 220 for eight. More good bowling from England. James Treadwell, three for 35. Uh, and England won that game even more comfortably by six wickets. Ian Bell uh, with 88. And another good innings from Jonathan Trott, 48. Uh, but the final game was another huge win for South Africa. Uh, they bowled England out for 182, uh, with Robin Peterson taking three for 37. And although South Africa did slip to 14 for three in their reply, a massive partnership between Hashim Amla, 97 not out, and ABW's 75 not out, meant that they won the game by seven wickets. So yeah, the series finished two all. What was your assessment of this series then, Tony? It was a bit of a strange one. You know, four comprehensive victories, but uh, it finished honours even because there were two comprehensive victories for each side. As we've just heard, that was a marathon. It was a bit of a marathon, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, We need I to do podcasts more often. feel a bit like uh, Wilson Kipritich after that. Do you remember you won the, London, yeah, the marathon in the that, Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. Did well, didn't they? Do you remember the Olympics? <laughs> they were pretty big. Well, yeah, good good series. Not many uh, not many runs. Were there. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony's chair is just, <laughs> just failing. just exploded. But. I like my bodyboards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, not... you probably should walk home. I'm supposed to be giving you a lift, but you really ought to walk. It's all going wrong. There's, uh, I could get you a bigger chair. Yeah, that would be good, actually. Where to start? Uh, yeah, it was fairly enjoyable. Looked after that second ODI where South Africa were fairly convincing that it was going to be more misery for England this summer against the South Africans. But but hey, England are a good one-day side now, didn't you know? And uh, they, they did all right. Bit of a shame that that, uh, that first one was a washout because obviously no one wants to finish a series tied at tool. No, and it deserved a decider really this series, didn't it? It's been, um, it's been entertaining. Do you see it as uh, England have kind of missed an opportunity to beat South Africa here or did they do well actually to get a draw? I mean, what what's your reading of the two sides? I'm not really that bothered. Who's, <laughs> well, no, what I mean, the by listeners which, might be bothered. No, no, by, by which I mean 50 over cricket you know, is, is just a, a curiosity for me now. It's entertaining. <laughs> But, uh, but who wins or loses doesn't really doesn't really bother me, right? Like I was obviously supporting England, but uh, you know I was nowhere near as fervent in my support for England as I was in the Test series, or oh. I'm, uh, or I'm going to be in the 2020. Obviously, that's true. Yeah. But then the the 2020, presumably you're going to be right behind England in the World 2020, but maybe yeah. not as bothered about this 2020 series with South Africa. I understand what you mean. It's not. It doesn't matter as much. It doesn't ruin my day when England lose to South Africa in a one-day game like it does if they lose a test match. But as a cricket supporter to the point that you do a podcast about it, um, you might at least be able to you know, <laughs> offer some opinions perhaps on uh, who, like, at the end of the series, which of these two sides do you think is better placed at the moment? I mean, my, my question essentially is, have England slipped up by drawing this series or have they done well to, be, to, to get a draw against South Africa? They've done well, but then uh, you know they are they carried some good form. Uh, you know, Cook's been at pains to to mention it loads. Well, they won like ten out of twelve ODIs this year. Uh, well, this summer it's eight out of ten. Yeah, um, and then before that they won four in Pakistan. So. 12 out of 14, if my maths is accurate, and you can check that if you well, like. I don't think that's the maths Cook's been going on, but anyway. 
but I mean that's a phenomenal record uh, over a course of a calendar year on form. You'd have said England, yeah, England should should have possibly edged the series, uh, and they, they, they look a decent side. You know, Peterson uh, Peterson's absence wasn't too too noticeable in the end. Cook will be slightly perturbed that they haven't. Well, that that fifth ODI was pretty woeful. There. Well, yeah, and, and the first and, and the first match they lost as well was also um, pretty poor. And it's in the batting department that they that they have been poor. And both of those defeats were essentially the result of a couple of, of pretty feeble batting performances. Well, and- you say that, but then the middle, the third and fourth ODIs were, you know, the South Africans batted feebly, really. No, absolutely. So, yeah. I, I think I, South Africa have got problems in the batting department as well. But I don't think England should be complacent about their batting or just write off those two performances as you know, nothing to worry about. And you say they haven't missed Peterson, but I think they are lacking just a little bit of solidity a little bit of firepower in the batting department if Owen Morgan Jonathan Trott Alistair Cook Ian Bell if one of them or preferably more than one of them gets in then they're going to be fine but if they don't then the batting around them I think is a little bit of a problem I mean well, Bapara in particular didn't shower in particular, I've got a lot to say about Bapara in a minute <laughs> Um, but it was actually, a, collectively, it was a very poor performance at, at Trembridge. And, and the wickets that went down there were extremely frustrating to watch. It was just soft dismissal after soft dismissal. You know, Cook chipped a return catch to the bowler. Morgan dragged one to mid-on. Bairstow and Kiesvetter hold out needlessly. I'm not even going to talk about Jimmy Anderson's shot. I don't know what he was doing. The absence of Jonathan Trott from that game was pretty vital. He, he missed out through injury. He comes in for a lot of stick, does Trott. But actually, you know, I think that kind of highlighted that he is the glue in that batting order. If he plays sensibly and sticks around, even if he just gets 40, 50, 60, it allows the others to play more aggressively. And I think a lot of the dismissals in that Trent Bridge game can be attributed to the fact that they were panicking because they weren't sure whether they were supposed to be batting through or accelerating. No one was sure whose responsibility it was. Whereas if Trot's there, you know he's not going to be accelerating. (laughs) So you've got to be the one to do it. And without Trot, there's an enormous amount of pressure on Owen Morgan. You know, he is the main man in the one-day team, but he can't do it all on his own. And as soon as he fell for a duck in that game, you knew that England were going to struggle to post a competitive total. So England have some very good batsmen, but if those batsmen don't succeed, which they can't every time, I do have concerns about the rest of that batting order. In this particular series, they haven't had the depth in the batting order that they usually do without Bresnan and Broad Swan. Um, and that's been a big problem. I mean, that's the collective issue. But if we are looking at individuals, it would be difficult not to single out Ravi Bapara. And I don't actually relish doing this, despite what people might think. I mean, it's it's pretty much the only correspondence we get. You are getting days. a bit of a reputation for it. <laughs> it's, it's close to bullying at it this point. It feeds itself, though. I mean, we don't. I haven't even we haven't really talked about Bapara that much recently. But it's still most of the emails and tweets and Facebook yeah, comments I, we I get. Don't want to throw words around, but like tribunal. <laughs> Uh, is a word that springs to mind. He has had an absolutely dreadful series with the bat, though, here. He scored 22 runs in four innings. And he stayed in the team because he's been bowling well. And he has been bowling well. But I'm not sure that that justifies keeping in the team. It certainly doesn't justify promoting him to number three in the order, which is what happened at Trent Bridge. Would he get in the team as a specialist bowler, Tone? Because if not, then he can't be there, surely. You can't keep a batsman in the team because he's bowling well. If he's bowling that well, play him as a specialist bowler. Yeah, he's going to have to bat at 10 or 11, isn't he, I think, at this point. How many more chances does he get? I mean, I'd like him to succeed, sure, but... Well, of course I'd like him to succeed. I prefer, you know, above his own 
you know, his own success. I'd prefer England to succeed. So in that cause, yeah, you're probably looking to bring someone else in at this point. That's the thing, yeah. I'd like him to succeed, but I don't think he will, <laughs> which is why I want someone else to be given a go. He does have a lot of supporters, and they've many of them in, in, you know, in the top jobs in the media. And they've been saying, you know, I'll lay off him. He's just had a bad series here. He was fantastic against Australia. And he was fantastic against Australia. I think he averaged 91. But that was what was the anomaly, not this series. He has been, on the whole, terrible in the 80-plus ODIs that he's played. He's, he's still never got a one-day century. Um, and he just has way more chances than most players seem to get. And I'm, I know I sound like a broken record here, but the ECB aren't listening. Simply not, not good enough, is he, at the moment? So that's a real shame. I really can't be doing him anymore, but I am out of luck because he's going to be in the 2020 team and he's probably going to be batting at three. So we will be seeing plenty more of Rami Bapara over the next month or so. I've talked about the batting there and, you know, maybe it sounds like I'm describing this series as a, as a huge failure for England, but it wasn't. I mean, they, they drew this series. They deserved to draw it. Was there anything in particular that impressed you about England in this series? Because they were excellent in the couple of games that they won. Yeah, I mean, there are, there, are, there are positives, you know, Morgan did it again a couple of times, uh, you know, finished, a cliche, the finisher, but, uh, you know, he, he was finishing everything in sight. No, reminiscent point, of uh, Bayfield at times, <laughs> uh, yeah. just finishing. You know, he'd have no trouble finishing his dinner, would he, on, on days like that. That's good. That's terrible. Uh, and also the bowling in, in parts was uh, was pretty useful. Dern back, wickets. Papara did all right, didn't he? Treadwell did well. Papara was one of the real success stories. <laughs> um, you know, Dernback was was very good. I think he, he's sort of muscled his way ahead of Tim Bresnan now in the pecking order, I would say. Um, partly because Bresnan appears to be quite out of form. But also, I think, because Dernback has bowled very well in this series. And he took three wickets at the Oval, including that of Hashim Amler. And, and in the end, those wickets were pretty decisive uh, in the course of that game. Sometimes he's going to be expensive. That just kind of goes with the territory with him, but he will also sometimes win games for England, so he's probably worth persevering with. Although he can't just come in for Bresnan um, because someone's got a bat at seven, which Bresnan was doing before. You can't really have Stuart Broad batting at seven, so if Bresnan's going to be out of the team, it's got to be Wokes or Patel at seven, I think. Um, and so when Broad comes back, I would imagine he'd come back in for Dernback. So it's, I'm not sure that he's necessarily nailed down a place. Um, but it's certainly it's great to see him in form, particularly getting into the World 2020, where I think he probably will play. So yeah, as we say, I don't think we should be too critical of, of England's one-day team. They they have won eight out of ten completed ODIs this summer, securing their place at the top of the rankings until January. I know you don't really care too much about who wins 50 over games, and presumably, therefore, you don't care too much about the rankings, but do you think England deserve to be number one? When you look at the teams around the world, are they the best one-day team in the world at the moment? Or is it just in English conditions that they're the best in the world? Yeah, there's uh, there's an element of that. But, but yeah, it's, it's a tight contest at the moment. I don't think there is a clear... Uh, you know, outright come number one. I mean, literally, there is a number one. Yeah, outright. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, there are, there are only uh, you know eight, nine, ten teams in the world <laughs> that play play eight, it. nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, <laughs> fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen That's teams in the world. Yeah, just seventeen. 18, 19 teams, but uh, you know there are like there are four or five at the, probably at the moment that you'd say uh, are in the hunt. Yes, yeah, it's, it's much of a muchness, and there's not there's certainly not. That's a good situation. That's that's where you want it, really. Yeah, and there's no, there's certainly not daylight between England and the rest, as we saw in this series. Uh, their defeat in the second ODI meant they they went down to third, and when they go to India for the one day series, they certainly won't be favourites for that. Um, but equally, when India come to England, 
they won't be favourites. They they got thrashed in England last year. So yeah, it's it's swings and roundabouts, and that's that's a, a good situation for cricket. Um, but English pundits, including you, but also a lot of the Sky Boys, a lot of the people on on TMS, seem surprisingly unbothered about the fact that England are number one in one day cricket. And yes, it's nowhere near as significant a thing as the Test ranking and, and limited overs cricket is all about building towards the tournaments. I accept that, but. 10, 5, even 3 years ago, it would be utterly absurd the notion that England might be the you know, the number one ranked one day team in the world. So it should be at least recognised that this team have gone a long way in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, as bad as England used to be in test cricket, uh, you know, they were a dozen times worse in ODI cricket, weren't they? Yeah, and a lot of it is it's Andy Flower. Andy well. Flower has, has changed that, really. Even under Duncan Fletcher, England were hopeless at one day cricket there just wasn't the focus on it um which there is now so we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that england have come a really long way and while it might not mean that much that they're number one in the rankings it's a nice thing you'd rather be number one than not wouldn't you well i mean this is yeah this is kind of the perfect opportunity to deploy the word barometer isn't it it's just barometer (laughs) <laughs> very much very much uh that's really the way we work on the world country <laughs> i make a sort of fairly well-reasoned point and then tony just says a word um and that's you know that's really but that's, what the, that's what the rankings are they're a barometer you know <laughs> it was a peculiar series for south africa as we mentioned earlier i think they sh- they too should have some concerns of the, over their batting because if amla didn't make runs then the team didn't make runs no team can be a one-man team uh, De Villiers came to the party at the end but before that he'd had a very lean tour in the Test Series and the One Day Series so questions will be asked over whether he can keep wicket captain and perform with the bat and I think the balance of their side needs to be looked at as well because at times it looked like they were um, both the batsman and the bowler light they had Wayne Parnell batting at seven which is probably two places too high um, but they were also having to get overs out of Duplessis and Elgar and Ryan McLaren who aren't really good enough so there's lots of uh, of questions for South Africa to ask themselves, but they also put in a couple of very good performances. And yeah, they'll probably forget about this series as quickly as, as you apparently have, um, and as England will, and look ahead to the 2020s, which um, start on Saturday. It's a three-match series. Should be quite an instructive warm-up, I think, ahead of the, the World 2020, albeit in very dissimilar conditions to those they'll find in Sri Lanka. What are you expecting from the series, Ten? Can I get a prediction from you? Or would that be too much to ask? <sighs> Uh, forecast good, I think. Solid. Maybe as we get towards Wednesday, yeah, some rain could come in. It's less certain then, isn't it? It's uh, you know, it's further out of my predictive reach. Two one South Africa. Wow, he's going against England. That might be the first time ever. <laughs> on it's certainly the first time, probably in the in the last couple of years. <laughs> uh, but this time you're back in South Africa. But this time I think maybe South Africa might get the. Do you think they look stronger the in T twenties? Well, I just think they might. Yeah, they might come out of this one on top. Keeping your cards close to your chest there. England much more inexperienced in 2020s, I think, than they are in the 50-over game in the sense that they have many more players who are inexperienced, like like the top order is, you know, Alex Hales. You know, there's no Cook figure, no Trot figure. You probably don't... And now no Peterson. And now no Peterson, indeed. So you probably don't know what you're going to get from England in T20s in the way that you do in one-day cricket. See, I'd probably back South Africa as well to take the series. Copying me. But since you just like school. said 2-1... I'm going to go for T1 England. Wow. Just like school. I never copied your work at school. If anything, it was the other way around. Constantly copy me. The Kobo Legends season has come to an end, Tony. We played the last game of the season last night. 
uh, regular listeners have been following us all the way uh, this season. Me and Tony have been, uh, after a long break from the cricket field, have been back out there this year for a team in Guernsey Evening League Division 4 called Kobo Legends. The Heady Heights. And uh, and yeah, and listeners have been following us all the way, all the highs and lows since we started in about, when was it, about April? Seems like last year. I mean, the drama has been non-stop, hasn't it? It's just, you know, Sky Sports could make a hell of a montage of what we've just done. But yeah, with uh, title winners. Absolutely. Division 4 champions. We quite literally are the champions of Guernsey Evening League Division 4. Uh, we're going to have our open top bus parades along the seafront. Thousands and thousands of people will be lining the streets for that one. It's going to be emotional. Uh, it was a yeah. You know, we'd already wrapped up the league, uh, the league title uh, with a game to spare, and so the, the match last night uh, was very much just a uh, you know, victory parade of sorts, wasn't it? And uh, we delivered to we- the one fan who turned up <laughs> to watch. <laughs> he was going bonkers though. He was going fair. mental. Uh, we did. We won uh, a thriller. In the dark, in the final over. It was like over. Karachi. <laughs> it was a 14 overs a side game, uh, which is is not a very long game for cricket, <laughs> is it? But it's because uh, it was going to get dark. And even then, 14 overs a side, it was dark by the time we finished. The opposition batted first, got off to a blistering start. Uh, I think after seven overs, they were like 85 for none. Cue another eye-catching performance from Kobo Legends' talismanical rounder, A. Bayfield. <laughs> so a few death overs there. Three overs, one for eight were my figures. When you bear in mind, the uh, the innings run rate was ten and over, I think, or nine and a half and over. They finished on one T5, I think. Can you argue with that, really? Can you argue with those sorts of statistics? I wasn't finished there, because it basically came down. They scored, I think, one T5. We got, we got off to a slow start, but then accelerated at just the right time, and it, going into the final over, we needed one to win. Our number three batsman who'd scored about 60 uh, got clean bowled off the first ball. So I had to come out at number six uh, with one to win in the dark, pretty much. Threaded it through the covers for four. It was great to watch, or at least I imagine it was. I was the one. Well, I was watching it from the non strikers end. Absolutely, because what was your contribution to the game? Well, I went into bat at number five after a run out. Uh, dismissed the uh, dismissed the previous batsman, so I went in at the non-striker's end with the scores uh, as they were when you came in. <laughs> yeah. So I watched scores. I was, I was there for two balls, uh, didn't face. I had a helmet that didn't fit, a pair of left-handed gloves, and a tiny bat. So it's a good job I didn't have to face any, well, any deliveries. But when you fair. went out to bat, yeah, because it'd been a run out off the last ball of the previous over. So with one to win and one over left, there was no way that you could face a ball. Which must have been incredibly depressing. Annoying, yeah, very <laughs> yeah. annoying. As you walked out to bat, and then I, who was lower than you in the batting order, did have to face him all, and you know came off to, you know, they they carried me off on their shoulders the rest of the <laughs> team, whereas you were left there on your own. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a microcosm of your whole season, really, wasn't it? Not not out, just great frustration. <laughs> well, promised a lot. Promised a lot. Well, my bet, my you know, my best innings uh, was. Was in a losing cause, 36 not out. <laughs> it was actually my second innings or something. Uh, and we, we ended up losing that game. Uh, but that's some useful contributions throughout the season, but none, none that were decisive. You, uh, you kept dropping hints to our captain last night uh, that you're planning to reinvent yourself as an all-rounder. Or even as just a bowler. No, you, as an all-rounder. I'm going to uh, come back next summer, kind of play my game a bit more like a freedie. You know, I bat like a freedie, but I'm going to bowl like him. You actually said that to our, to our captain. You were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn myself into a bit of a freedy." Didn't probably get the reaction you were hoping for. It, it, I'd describe it more as mirth. I think <laughs> was the reaction that uh, it did provoke. 
Uh, and you were going, yeah. no, but seriously, that is, that is my said, point. No, no, as we said, I'm deadly serious <laughs> yeah. uh, about this. And all the rest of the team are just like, oh, that'll be the day. Tony <laughs> Kerr bowling. In general, you get, you kept getting, you got bantered off quite a lot last night, Tony. Well, I, got, yeah, I mean, I things I've put myself out there in the team really is a sort of uh, focal point for the humour. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know if you had any choice in the matter. The, well, I, yeah, I made a lot of jokes, made a lot of people laugh. So uh, Also, took a lot of catches, made a lot of runouts. Crucial in the field. Crucial <laughs> in the field. You said, because uh, after the game last night, we went down the pub to sort of celebrate our, our title success. And that was the plan, you know, be- before the game, we'd, we'd planned to do that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And uh, the captain at the start was like, right, come on, lads, let's get round quickly in the field so Tony can get down the pub and get a few points in. And you were like, no, Mike, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually going to work in the morning. I'll only be going for one. And he's just like, come on, lads, Tony wants to get drinking. Let's get down. <laughs> <laughs> just completely yeah. ignoring you. But anyway, yeah, we are the champions. Guernsey Evening League Division 4 champions. Have you ever been more proud of anything in your life, Tony? It's hard to think of something off the top of my head. When I was nine years old, I got 199 out of 200 in a sponsored spellathon. And I think that's probably the only thing that comes close to this in my life. I've had a lot of personal achievements which I'm proud of, but in a team sense. Name you know. one. <laughs> oh, just name one. Mm, like numerous. <laughs> so numerous. I wouldn't want to boast that. You could perhaps name a few. I wouldn't want to boast. No? I would not want to boast. <laughs> around the world now. On this part of the show, we talk about things that have been happening around the world. The second and final test match of India's series with New Zealand took place in Bangalore this week, and it was an absolute cracker. Uh, New Zealand won the toss and batted first, and batted much better than they had in the first game. They made 365, with 100 from Captain Ross Taylor, and half-centuries from Martin Guptill and Kruger Van Wyk. India, in response, were in big trouble at 80 for 4, uh, but a century from Virat Kohli and half centuries from Suresh Reiner and MS Dhoni got them up to 353. Um, New Zealand ground out 248 in their second innings, which was a pretty good effort in the face of some uh, good spin bowling from India. Ravi Ashwin took five for 69, his third five-wicket haul of the series, um, to set India a target of 262, which looked pretty steep and at one point looked like it might be beyond them when they were 166 for five. But an unbroken 96-run partnership between Kohli and Dhoni got them to the target with five wickets to spare. This really was a magnificent test match, Tone. New Zealand put up much more of a fight than they did in the first game. And even though the margin of victory ended up being five wickets, so in future when people look back, they might think it's relatively comfortable. 
it wasn't. It did go right to the wire, and he did have the feeling that if, if New Zealand could have just broken that Coley-Doney partnership, they might have run through the tail and won. They didn't, but they did give India a real scare, which doesn't often happen to them at home. Tim Southey in particular took 7 for 64 in the first innings, which was, I think, the, the sixth best figures ever by a New Zealand bowler, which is pretty impressive, really. India will be pleased to have emerged uh, from the match and the series uh, with victory, but they will have some concerns, particularly over the form of Sachin Tendulkar, who didn't make it to 50 in the series and was clean bowled three times in three innings, which isn't enormously encouraging when you consider that people are, are worried that he might be over the hill now. Well, it's it, all that pressure, isn't it, to get the 101st 100? <laughs> uh, you know, just, I mean, the, the speculation about when it will come, it just builds <laughs> daily, doesn't it? Well, it is getting towards two years since his last 100 in the test arena. Are we witnessing the, the final days of the the Sachin Empire. Well, potentially. I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, it had to come one at some point, didn't it? It does have to come at some point. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I think people get go a little bit over the top uh, about these sort of things. You know, he's he's pretty old. You know, he's had a, he's had a fairly decent career. Uh, and, yeah, at some point, he's going to have to wrap it up. It's as good a time as any. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's not going to be tomorrow or the next day, but it's certainly going to be soon. Trouble is it's reached a point now where he's had such a long run without success that I think he and everyone else just want him to keep going until he gets it back because no one wants to see Tendulkar go out in this fashion. But the worry is that he might never get it back so he could just play another year or two (laughs) just not scoring runs. I don't think that will happen. He's been written off before and come back and he's clearly still got the talent to score runs and he only needs to make probably one century and then he might decide, right, that's it, I can call it a day. I don't know. He might have the appetite to play on and on. But yeah, you're right. His career does have to come to an end at some point. There's probably a lot of Indian fans who don't agree with that. Um, And it will be quite interesting and potentially worrying to see what happens to spectator interest in international cricket in India when he retires. It is going to happen. But I hope and I think everyone hopes that, you know, there might be a couple more brilliant performances from him to come. Maybe not in the England series, but maybe after that. <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, we'd all like to see it. I, do, I always find it weird like, it's in these kind of instances, instances that people will say, like, oh, you know, oh, it's so sad to see, you know, once great player struggling along and, you know... It's On like, his knees. Yeah, it's like, is it... It's not that sad. You know, he's doing what he loves. He's still doing it. I'm sure he's not, like, internally, he's not in absolute strife. Uh, yeah, maybe I've just got a warped sense of of the world yeah he's still playing cricket for a job it's not that bad (laughs) Um, I think he's been helped by the fact that Dravid and Latchman have gone because I mean firstly uh, India's batting was really struggling and and with Latchman going you know it opens up a slot for Bajara to come in and so hopefully will improve India's batting and also it means that there's a lot less experience in that batting order so people think right we, we really need Tendulkar we need his his wise head even if he's not scoring runs um, so from his perspective, yeah, it gives him probably a bit more breathing space. Um, but then he's Sachin Tendulkar, he's got all the breathing space he, he needs, really. I think the most uh, significant aspect of this game was that it was played in front of excellent crowds on each day in Bangalore, pretty much close to full on, on each of the last three days. It was a great atmosphere um, as as it was getting towards the end of the game. It was uh, uh, very exciting and, and the, the crowd were going wild, which is interesting to me uh, and very encouraging because there has been a lot of discussion and we've talked about it a lot about you know the fact that no one goes to watch test cricket in india and that's immensely worrying for the the future of the format but this perhaps suggests that you can get people to watch test cricket in india 
You just have to do it in the right place. You've got to stage the matches in the right cities. There might be an appetite for test cricket in Bangalore and Mumbai and Chennai that just doesn't exist in some of the other cities that are given test matches. Hyderabad, no one went. Bangalore, pretty we much didn't go, did we? we didn't go, no. So I, I suppose we've got to take our share of the blame. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not just necessarily that people in those cities don't care about test cricket, but it's to do with lots of things like whereabouts the ground actually is geographically in relation to the rest of the city. So in Mahali, in Nagpur, the grounds are actually 15 plus miles outside of the city and the transport links aren't great. Uh, and then when people get there, the stadiums themselves are pretty awful. You know, Mahali must be one of the worst test grounds in the world sometimes you can't even buy a ticket when you get to the ground you were supposed to have bought it at a bank like a week before um so it's it's really no surprise that people don't flock to the tests in those places whereas in in mumbai or bangalore where the grounds are in the center of the city it's much easier for people to just go along for a bit um so maybe what the bcci should be doing is restricting test cricket to those cities where it will be popular they definitely won't do that though because they've got this this system where they send test matches all around the country um, because it's to do with you know getting votes from provinces and stuff, and you know, it's all very depressing, really. But um, what you need is a, a strong hand, a strong man, a strong man like Kerr to go in and yeah. uh, a real Caldeo figure to just go in, <laughs> a real Modi figure, just to mix go. things up and, and get just them all in straight and narrow. I'll certainly give it a go. Hey Tony, it's me, Adam. You know. Copa Legends talismanic all-rounder. No, I think you're getting a bit big for your boots here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's just what the papers are saying. You know, well, saying, like, yeah, you can't read anything. Just, just repeating what's being written the in the papers. Are you as excited as I am about the World 2020? I am really excited, Adam. It's right up in our grill piece now, Tony. It starts on September the 18th. You can't, you can't duck or weave out the way of this one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to knock you over. It's going to knock your block right off. Yeah, well, by the time this episode comes online it will be we're less than two weeks about away. 10 days away uh which is crazy talk the world cricket show is going to get well into the world 2020 as i'm sure you can imagine two key things for you to remember listener uh we will be doing our big bumper preview of the tournament on next week's show ahead of that let us know your thoughts tweet us facebook us email us you know let us know who you think is going to win who you think which players you think are going to do well, all that kind of stuff. We'll read some of your comments on the show. And the second key thing is that we have set up the World Cricket Show World 2020 Fantasy League, the Crick Info Fantasy League well, game. Yeah, uh, the way you said that suggests that we're running the, the league game. We've actually we've piggybacked on Crick Info once we again. We might be using <laughs> another cricket website to do it, but we've set up a mini uh, league is what yeah. I should say. They're grateful for it. Uh, They're grateful for the exposure. Yeah, it gives them great exposure. Uh, probably at least doubles the number of uh, people that will be playing that. Um, but yeah, Crick Info are doing a World 2020 Fantasy League game. Uh, and I've registered my team and set up the mini league. It's You've actually done your team as well, haven't you? I have, That's yeah. good because uh, now you can't copy me, which is which is uh, what I was really afraid of. Well, you got unlimited transfers though between so now and the start. Basically so basically what I'll, yeah, do, I'll do my team and then suddenly yours will look very much like mine. No, the, the league is imaginatively called World Cricket Show. And the pin is 1390. So if listeners set up their teams on uh, on the Crick Info Fantasy League, uh, you just go to join a mini league, uh, put in the name, put in the pin, and you'll be in there, uh, which is very exciting. You'll be in competing against the likes of me and Adam. Yeah. And by the likes, I mean against me and Adam. <laughs> imagine the thrill, guys. Imagine the thrill. It's going to be a tough one. It's a tough ask for anyone to come in and try and beat us because 
I mean, I wiped the floor <laughs> with the, the 2011 World Cup. I'm not convinced about that. I Which, do. You, do you still believe that you won that? <laughs> because there's quite literally an audio record. Yeah, I'm going to go that. back. I've won something recently in the last like I won the, the previous fantasy game, I think. We didn't do a previous mm. fantasy game. Okay, well, I was ahead one. for a long time in that one. Anyway, you you were ahead at the start. Yeah, after I was ahead like, for a long time. Mm, no, after, I remember no. now what happened. Yeah, I, like I, I went away and I couldn't do any transfers, and you snuck up on me, <laughs> and, and then I couldn't quite catch you up. You went away for about four or five days. Well, exactly, and that, the tournament was only like twelve days long. Well, the World Cup, the t- famously, <laughs> the World Cup is about four months long, Dane. <laughs> But the World 2020 yeah. is much shorter. It's about two and a half weeks, so you've really got to be on it. It's going to be a fierce battle. I think me and Tony are both assuming that one of us is going to win. <laughs> yeah, but actually, the likelihood of that. Uh, the, the listeners have got just as good a chance, really, haven't they? Um, but it, it's actually it's a really, really good game that Cricket Info have got. It's, it's a, a very good um, interface. It's well set up. So, yeah, get involved. Yeah, we will be offering a prize. Uh, oh yeah, I minute, we're, we're not, we can't announce it yet. It's under wraps. The prize, <laughs> uh, we don't want to give it away. Um, uh, essentially, we haven't decided what the prize. But yeah, will be, we'll but do, it we'll, will be good. We'll I do a prize. It'll be in keeping with the uh, you know the prestigious nature of the competition and uh, what yeah <laughs> the prestigious nature of the previous <laughs> prizes that we've given away on this show. It is. Andrew it Strauss needs to get on with writing that autobiography. Yeah, uh, if he can do that in the next couple of weeks, that'd be ideal. The side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the Cricketing Week. Um, it's just occurred to me that when, that when we started this item tone way back when, in the in the mists of time, it was originally called Tony Kerr's Side Notes, where it was your one job was to, <laughs> to bring along the side notes, and you were the one, you'd read the articles to me, and I'd give some comments. Yeah, well, you just took it over there. Actually, just... over the course of the series of, of podcasts, it's morphed into its current form, where I bring the articles, and you make the comment, well, this is yeah. Well, this is not of my undoing. You just muscled in. I don't know. If you that's just true. Like, no, I you, don't know if that's true. You just muscled in with your quick info articles every week. You know, I used to get stuff from all over the place, but now I didn't feel there was a role for me anymore. Yeah, well, that. I've got an article from Reuters this week. Well, Tone, brilliant. So my, my interpretation Fantastic. of what happened is that more and more, I'd be like, okay, Tone's taking care of the side notes. Don't worry about that. Then we'd get to the studio and I'd say, have you got any side notes? And you'd go, um, I'll just look for one now and then find a rubbish one or not one this at is, all. And this is where the side notes has become a much less popular <laughs> item in the show because you're just producing the three top articles on Quick Info each week. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I say that is because you've actually brought a side note this week. You surprised me. You yelled surprise as well, which was going yeah. a bit over the top of them, <laughs> uh, by bringing a side note. So I'm, I'm interested in this one. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know it's a story that's probably probably picked up in a few places, but uh, the Deccan Chargers is up for sale. So there you go. Uh, that's not it, is it? Huh? That's not the end of your story. Well, I can read you the article. Yeah, go on, then. That's, really, that's, that's that, the format. Huh? That's the fo- I don't like the format though. I don't play by the rules. That's the gist of it though. I don't think you need to know anymore. <laughs> well, it's not. What do you want me to say? The Deccan Chargers up for sale. Well, what do you think? Okay. Unless, unless I get a little bit more information, it's difficult to make much comment. <laughs> well, there's not, there's, not, there's not much more needed, I don't think. That says it all. <laughs> so I don't know, I need to warble on, like you do. Well, I thought maybe, you know, things have been going well down here at World Creek Show Towers. I thought maybe we could put a bid in. We did sell quite a few T-shirts. <laughs> um, have we sold enough to, uh, to you know, buy into a franchise? We've IPL still got franchise? some left over, so we could just offer them... Party exchange, exchange T-shirts for I'd love that. Uh, they, they haven't kind of they haven't given a price. Although saying that, uh, the article reads, if you want me to 
Where is this even to. from? Come on, we need your source tone. This is just... It's from the BBC. Uh, so that's the gist of it. They put an advert in the paper last week. In the paper? Yeah, pretty much, in the, in the classifieds. <laughs> the bids will be, uh, will be considered and accepted, and the buyer announced next week, so we haven't got long to sort it out. I'd love to see that in the classifieds. It's like in between an ad for like a Toyota Corolla and a dishwasher or something. It's just... Deck and charges. <laughs> the, the IPL franchise Deck and Charges is up for sale. <laughs> well, I've got a side note this week, Tane. Uh, as I hinted, um, it comes from Reuters. Now, it strikes me that you're going to love and hate this story in equal measure. Well, I know where this is going. Uh, both because of the type of story it is, which is a side note that crops up essentially <laughs> every weekly. week. It should become a weekly item. Cricketer does new thing. Uh, takes up new sport and also because the f- because of the first sentence of the article okay so here oh, we go. i know where this is going already cricket uh, gloves off for fighting freddie <laughs> flint off right having knocked down many an off stump during his time as england cricket captain andrew Flintoff hopes to do the same to opponents when he takes to the boxing ring later this year it's unbelievable isn't it the way these articles are written it's surprising that people still think that when someone's like, oh, can you just write up this, uh, this story about the Flintoff thing? They're like, oh, this is original. <laughs> yeah, this oh, use cricketing expressions yeah, in the article. And when they file it, they're probably really proud. Like, oh, give us a break. Andrew Flintoff hopes to knock his boxing opponents for six when he, uh, <laughs> when he takes them on later this year. Flintoff's preparations for his debut fight, scheduled for November 30th at the Manchester Arena, are to be televised in a documentary, The Gloves Are Off. The six-foot-four-inch sportsman who would box as a heavyweight has yet to apply to the British Boxing Board of Control for a licence, but is being trained by former world featherweight champion Barry McGuigan. Quote, This is an amazing opportunity to try a sport that I love, to be treated by a man I respect and admire, and at the age of 34, the chance to become a professional sportsman again, said Flintoff. It's a huge challenge, probably the biggest I have ever undertaken, especially in such a short time frame. I have a long road ahead and a lot of work in front of me. The stakes are high. Uh, Flintoff played in 79 tests for England before retiring from cricket in 2010 because of injury. Since then, he has made numerous media appearances on sports panel shows, was a guest commentator during some matches of the 2011 Darts World Championship in England, and has been the face of Morrison's supermarket. (laughs) I like that. Glittering (laughs) career post-cricket. But also they say that as though... That's it's like a, a full-time job, yeah. being the face of Morrison. And also, that's not true, is it? Because we know that the face of Morrison's is Alan Hansen. <laughs> always has been, always will be. Great volley. Morrison's. <laughs> that, it's Alan Hansen's gig, Freddie. Don't try and muscle your way in. I, was, I don't know quite why. and They haven't explicitly done it here. But I don't know what it is about people, people in the media who are writing introductions to people that everyone has can't no one can no one's allowed to just be have one thing that they're you know they're associated with they have to be given a whole list of like plaudits and kind of it really irks me so, so like, you'd be introduced like if i was introducing you on tv it'd be like oh you know writer uh broadcaster you know comedian adam bayford it's like, <laughs> it'd be like it's a nonsense the whole thing's a nonsense Except one thing you can be you can be allowed to have one thing. I'd be disappointed if you didn't include talismanical <laughs> rounder in there. To be fair, whereas for you, it'd be uh, um, what's that thing you do? Um, occasional wicketkeeper, Tony Kerr. Yeah. I can't Call hear it. Legend. I'm struggling to think of what. Uh, what you but do. I don't know. Just really get someone there. There's something incredibly sad about this story for me. You get the impression that. Flintoff isn't very happy 
in his sort of post-cricket life. You remember that, that Atherton outburst earlier in the summer? He's tried all kinds of things, hasn't really settled on anything, keeps cropping up on Sky TV. This is a, a, going to be a proper licensed fight, but he's only got like two months to get ready. There is a danger that he's going to... Well, I'm sure they're not going to put him up against someone who's actually good. <laughs> yeah, presumably it's not going to be like Klitschko or someone. Although <laughs> <laughs> that would make for probably a better documentary. <laughs> that would get a huge, huge audience. I, um, I don't know. I suppose Adam Holyoke did it. But then that was also quite depressing, <laughs> let's be honest, wasn't it? I don't know, you just feel like Flintoff deserves better than this. What does he deserve? I don't know, just better than this. He's not very old, is he, when you think about it? No, he's 34, he's younger than Andrew Strauss, and I think that's the point, is that two years since he retired from cricket, which was a year since he'd last played test cricket, you get the feeling, you know, he felt quite... Like, he had to retire prematurely because of injury, and he felt kind of unfulfilled, like that he had unfinished business in cricket, but he can't do it, so he's having to do this kind of stuff. And it's just a bit sad, because he's... You know, he was such a hero in cricket and he's now becoming this kind of rubbish media personality slash the face of Morrison's. But oh well, I hope he wins. Maybe we should put you up for do that for a boxing match or an <laughs> MMA bout or something. A charity next year. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, not great, to be honest. Not great. I'm not sure. Your knees up to it. Oh, the knees would be fine. I mean, I'd be less worried about the knees, more about just my general... <laughs> Your general well-being. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can perhaps find something less... I can't go into boxing, Tony, not with this face. <laughs> well, Tony, if there's one thing I hate, it's being the bearer of bad news. And it deeply saddens me to have to tell you that that is it for this week's World Cricket Show. Have you had a whole heap of fun That's here tonight, That's been enjoyable. Tony? A little bit tired after my walk, but... But hey, I'm giving you a lift home. Used to, yeah. It'll be like the old days. Do you remember when I used oh. to give you a lift home everywhere? You got any big plans for the weekend? It's meant to be good weather. You going uh, out? Playing a lot of sport, going out. I realised that we on last week's show we talked about your Mickey Pierce persona. Yeah. And you know when you're talking to the ladies, it's all like girls. Da, da, da. And we sort of said Mickey Pierce. That's a very obscure <laughs> reference to be throwing out there. I'm not surprised that we had some people getting in touch saying they didn't know what it was or what the word knicker meant, which is just British slang for a pound. Yeah. But I'll, find, I'll try and find a YouTube video of Mickey Pierce and put it yeah. on the Facebook page because it, it's unbelievable I'm how much like fairly, him. I was fairly dissimilar to Mickey Pierce <laughs> in most ways. No, only when you go out. Only when you yeah, go out. I'm, I'm going to try and get a video of you at some point just to let you know. <laughs> right, okay, I look forward to that. Um, anyway, yeah, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope all of our listeners have a good weekend. If you're a Warwickshire fan, you'll probably have a fantastic weekend because they're celebrating winning the county championship. We I'm, did... of course, a Warwickshire lad. You are, of course, a Warwickshire lad. Um, Very attached. Uh, we didn't mention that on this week's show, so we might mention it on next week's show. Realistically, probably not. Um, we just don't really have time to talk about county cricket, do we? We've got Same, too yeah. much discussion of bodyboarding for that but uh but yeah so warwickshire county champions there you go i'm not sure that's what either of us predicted i can't remember what either of us predicted can you go back and have a listen? we should go back listeners might remember i don't remember we should go back though oh, i can't remember for i think i might i think i might have predicted nottinghamshire i think i might have predicted you might have predicted warwickshire yeah, it's a possibility we'll go i'll we'll go, go back, back i'll find yeah. the episode yeah. and I'll, i can't remember which one it was i'll, <laughs> I'll go back i'll find we'll out play the clip we can we'll know by the date won't we if you like the show uh then you're in Great company. Uh, and you can like it on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Follow us on Twitter as well, twitter.com slash cricket show. Follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R. Leave us a review on iTunes if you have the time and the inclination. Uh, and if you've got nothing better to do, you can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail. 
com. Do that if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers. I think I feel like uh, the World 2020 is where I'm going to really come into my own on Twitter. Yeah, that's a big promise. But that's a big promise, isn't it? So Maybe I'll, I'll test. I'll test the water over the weekend. <laughs> uh, buy a t-shirt as well. We do ask that you do that if you're going to listen to the show. <laughs> we do ask. Yeah, if, you can, yeah. <laughs> if you are going to come around here listening to our show, we do ask minimum that you buy a t-shirt. Buy, <laughs> buy, buy the t-shirts. Cricketshow.net is the URL <laughs> of our website, um, and uh, and yeah, you can buy a t-shirt. They're just fifteen pounds, including free. Worldwide shipping. Extraordinary value. Really. And great value. <laughs> Morrison's. Skiffs inside. It's in the bag of the net. Um, and, <laughs> also, and also, let's not forget uh, the, yeah, the working show World 2020 Fantasy Mini League is ready for you to join. The pin is whatever I said it was earlier that I now can't remember. What was it? Uh, 1390. 1390. 1390. There you go. Uh, that's what you need. Uh, yeah, and you can be, you know, Adam's the, I'm the first team in there, so which is good because, you know, he will have been taking cues from everybody who entered after, uh, you know, if someone entered before him, he would have been copying. I don't know, I'm pretty confident Cribbing. in the team that I've selected. Well, we'll see. Pretty confident. We will see. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for this week. Stay in school, everybody, uh, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take it easy. Maybe we can leave those for the moment. I was actually at the, uh, uh, you know, the popular BBC comedy, The Thick of It. I'm aware of it. Uh, the, new, the new series is actually called The Thick of It Coalition. Oh, wow. Yeah. But interestingly, I was reading today that they, uh, they film, this is, this is a, a digression, but they film, uh, they film episodes like lightning quick. Uh, they get stuff. They get episodes done in like two or three days. But they, yeah, they just absolutely fly through it, uh, and it just reminded just reminded uh, me of us, <laughs> the way we like to operate. Because I mean, we for you know a forty five minute podcast, we're only recording, only takes us kind of you know eight to ten hours of material uh, <laughs> which, to produce that to produce that kind of show. So produce this sort of quality. it's that similar level of you know accuracy and succinctness. It's got to be right on the money every time. I mean, the, we're probably only what. As people are listening to this, probably only 25 seconds into the podcast, but um, actually we've been recording for an hour and a half so far. But you've just got to, just got to cut out the cut well, we out warm all the up, rubbish. don't we, for a little bit, but then, then you do the intro. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so that we're on we're we're, some kind of form. We're warming up the audience, you know. There's a, there's a comedian who comes on before us just to, uh, just to keep him warm. Uh, one, we got a new follower for the World Cricket Show account. Uh, we got quite a few new followers today, but um, one of them, his Twitter bio, was, uh, oh, there are two types of people in the world. Those who need closure, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That's, that's one good. of my favorite jokes. And also, this is another one of my favorite jokes. Say, ask me what the secret of comedy is. I have to do that. Yeah. Ask me what the secret of comedy. No, no. Is. You ask me what the secret of comedy. What's is. the secret of comedy? <laughs> okay. That's right. 
I'll ask me what the secret of comedy is. Ask me what the secret I'm not going to ask you. No, that, that, the joke doesn't work if you don't ask me. Right. I've just asked you. No, I know, but I was still talking when you said it. Right, go on, go on. What's the secret Timing. of comedy? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh, oh I dear. Don't know where we were. That was gold. That was gold. Radio gold. Um, Something made me laugh today. Wasn't you? Not easy to do that. Though, <laughs> wasn't I know too well. Uh, Paul Nixon on Sky Sports News talking about uh, talking about the, the T20s and then kind of looking ahead to the the World T20. And he was talking about he was talking about uh, players. I think he was describing essentially one day cricket, uh, but he, <laughs> but. He was being asked to talk about T20 cricket and he was talking about the middle overs and just knocking, you know, getting the ball round for five, five and over, six and over. Uh, and that made me laugh. Hang on, sorry, say that again. I can't, I I can't even remember it, really. He was basically saying that, he, he was basically saying that England, you know, England have got players who can, in those middle overs, just knock the ball around for, for five, five or six and over. <laughs> right. I just thought that's... What, why did that make you It just made me laugh. <laughs> because because it just that's, that's not what I'm about <laughs> knocking, <laughs> knocking the ball around in middle overs oh what you mean because compared to think, how you play no, just cut it <laughs> <laughs> mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.